0: hello there goldmine readers and now listeners this is pat prince editor of goldmine magazine and welcome to the first podcast of october and the goldmine magazine podcast Uh, this podcast will interview vinnie moore of ufo um, vocalist james walsh from the great brit pop band star sailor Uh, but first off uh, vinnie moore guitarist of ufo i've liked vinnie moore since his days with uh vicious rumors uh vicious rumors was a hard rock northwest band from the early 80s uh they're still around but without vinnie uh now i'm a pretty big uh ufo fan not as big as say eddie trunk but big enough and uh i first went to see uh, ufo live with Vinny and i was a little skeptical at first even knowing how good he was as a guitarist being that i'm so loyal to michael shanker uh and that sound and i also love the uh criminally uh, underrated guitarist paul chapman god chapman is very good too he was there f- with ufo from 1978 to 83 um but Vinny impressed me very much and he has now been in the band 14 years uh, he's got his own sound, and um, that has been proven in over those fourteen years. And he, what a new album of UFO, an album that is surprisingly is all covers. It's called the Salentino Cuts. We'll get to why it's called that uh, with Vinny, but it's on Cleopatra Records. Uh, it's a damn good one. Uh, one of the best cover albums uh, I've heard. One of the best of this genre. It's a uh, it's, so pick it up on Cleopatra um, at your local record store. And it's a pleasure to talk to Vinny. Uh, and we'll be right back with him after this message. Hey, I'm Ronald Webb, and this is Patrick Prince. And together we host the Goldmine Radio Hour, the show that features the latest issue of Goldmine, the Music Collectors Magazine. Tune in Sunday at 7 p.m. Eastern Time on CygnusRadio.com. How you doing? Vinny. Yay, what's up? How are you? It's Pat good, from thanks Goma. Man. So thanks for calling. I um I really enjoyed this album, man. I, I, I didn't know what to think about a covers album. Uh UFO doing a covers album, but I really enjoyed it. It's uh it's a lot of fun. Um your guitar work, man, is fantastic. And uh is it just me or does Phil sound more like a blues singer?
1: Yeah, you know, he definitely has a lot of that in his voice, and he's really into blues as far as uh, what he listens to. I've known that since I first met him. I was kind of actually surprised by that. I didn't know he had that in his background, but he's definitely big time into the blues. And I guess, uh, you know, that influenced him. And also, I think his voice has kind of changed over the years as he's gotten older, and maybe his voice is more... Inclined to go in that direction naturally now than probably back in the old days when it was higher
0: It's true his voice does sound a little different besides the the blues uh, Reference Um,
1: you know to be honest and I'm not just saying this I think it's gotten better over the years Yeah, like the timbre of it's changed and it's more deep and breathy now And I kind of like it better than even though I liked it back in the 70s. I think it's kind of even better
0: Now, what made the band think of producing an album worth of covers? What what came to, how did this, what was the spark?
1: You know, it was actually an idea that was presented to us by a record label. Cleopatra? Cleopatra. And we didn't know really quite what to think of it at first. And to be honest, we kind of just dismissed it. And then I think uh, basically they had planted a seed in our brain because we began to think about it and talk about it while on the road on the tour bus. And I was like, hey, you know, this could be a fun thing. And so we'd, like, sit around having some drinks and beers and start to talk about what songs we potentially could do. And so it was kind of in a state of, like, limbo for quite a while. You know, I think, like, a year went by. And they approached us again, and upon that second approach, it was like, you know, we all collectively decided it would be something cool and fun to do
0: yeah like i said i started out the same way like um you know i didn't know what to think but then uh listening to it i i have you know, it's a lot of fun i go to it again and again uh listening to the stream um
1: it was something different and we hadn't treaded in that on that water before and it was right. something new and a different thing to try that and i think it was fun for everybody basically and that's why we did it
0: did each member pick a favorite song how did the songs get decided upon
1: I'm pretty much everybody was throwing in ideas, again, on the tour bus and hotel rooms, whatever. And, uh, you know, we Phil has a lot of trouble deciding on things. He can't commit to anything. And so it really came down to being in the studio when we were recording Basics to kind of hash it all out. I mean, right. we had maybe five or six chosen, and it all kind of came together last minute, which is what happens a lot in this band, to be honest. Right.
0: Sometimes that could be good.
1: (laughs) Yeah, definitely.
0: Because that's how creativity spontaneously works, you know?
1: Yeah, definitely.
0: um, When things are really planned out, sometimes they don't go as well. Um, So, yeah, I could see that. Were there any extra songs recorded that didn't make the album?
1: Yeah, there was actually a song, believe it or not, and this is the strangest of all choices. It was a Vince Gill song. Wow. And uh, Phil really liked it, and he liked this particular version with Vince Gill and Lyle Lovett uh, singing it together. And he kept mentioning it, and we all thought, okay, he's not going to want to do this. You know, he, he just loved the song. And so we ended up recording the basic tracks for it, and it got weeded out somewhere along the line when he was doing vocals. Uh, it didn't make the. I don't know if he recorded vocals for that. I guess he didn't. I'm not even sure.
0: Did you guys give it a more... So you gave it a more hard rock approach?
1: Yeah, I think everybody... I mean, every song turned out more rock just yeah. by the nature of what we do and the way we play. Yep. So, yeah, it would have been heavier than the Vince Gill version, but it still had a tenderness to it that uh, was cool, too.
0: I mean, my, um, take a song like Honey Bee. Um, you guys really made that uh, blues rock. It was very nice, and... Um, even i mean wasn't break on through the hardest challenge it's so ingrained in the consciousness of classic rock fans and you made it different enough you you gave it a sort of deep purplish vibe um, it was not, it was nice surprise well yeah it's definitely
1: heavier than the original ver- version yeah. and it's an iconic tune and even not only Morrison's vocals, but the keyboard work in the song. Like, how do you even approach that or attempt to do that and have it sound genuine, you know, without just duplicating the whole thing note for note, which we didn't want to do. And luckily, a lot of it kind of happens naturally. I mean, Phil has like a certain voice. I play guitar a certain way. And just with that fact, doing things, just doing what we do naturally kind of made it different so to speak, if that makes any sense. And Andy is definitely playing harder and more rock. Yes. Because that's the way he, you know, he's a different drummer than John Densmore. Right. So part of it just kind of happens naturally. And I think that's kind of what we set out to do. Because at first there was like lots of talk about rearranging all the songs and maybe trying to get too clever with it. Yeah. And we all kind of agreed that if we just go in there and play these songs the way we play, they're going to be different right off the bat.
0: I agree like I like I said before when you over plan sometimes it comes out it it doesn't come out right you know just exactly go, yeah um, and this is man you really took over this album your guitar playing is something oh, thanks, it always thanks. always was always is but uh, man all over you match uh, some great guitarists like uh, you know take Mississippi Queen. Um, you're going like note for note there.
1: (laughs) You know, (laughs) that's one where I, I copied a lot of the Leslie licks or I did something very similar to, you know, what he would do kind of tried to think like him. He's a friend of mine. I love his guitar playing. And, and you just reminded me that I actually want to send him the MP3. I might do that when we get off the phone, but yeah, I mean, certain things you have to kind of remain true to. Yeah. And I just, I didn't want to, like, copy every note, note for note exactly, but I wanted to just kind of retain the vibe and just go for his overall feel.
0: Yeah, I think he would be proud. (laughs) You really, uh...
1: If not, I'll know it really quickly. I'll get that, hey, what are you doing playing my guitar, Alex?
0: Yeah, yeah. (laughs) You never know. You never know how he's going to react. But uh no he he really did a good job and that's a hard uh, song to uh match, you know, as far as guitar. Um and another one that I liked is Heartful of Soul, which uh you know it's the Yardbirds, it's got a stor it's a storied band because of their guitarists, but their songs never got the air player recognition they deserved. And I know,
1: I mean Jeff Beck got pretty well known after the fact and everybody knows that he was in that band but i guess at the time they just didn't hit it really big and uh yeah i mean i played some stuff from my favorite guitar players on this record trower leslie west jeff beck and uh, so it's definitely a lot of fun for me
0: that's what i meant you stepped up to the challenge man i mean there was a lot to take on and you you went note for note it's uh it's really fun i, I really enjoyed it and uh even something like uh Steppenwolf, um the Hoyt axton song the pusher uh that's an underrated song and uh that's my favorite lead by you i think in, in that song um uh, oh, good just, stuff and to get loose on that one and uh that that's that shows that you guys really know your classic rock deep cuts. <laughs>
1: Yeah, I mean, we live, all live through it, that's for sure. Yeah. All those songs, it's part of all of us, you know. Now, do you think... time periods of our lives.
0: Now, are you going to take uh, this on the road? Or are you going to incorporate a lot of these covers into a live performance? Or how is that going to... We're gonna...
1: definitely going to at least do one or two. I mean, we have this tour in sep- starting in September with Saxon in America. Right. It's going to be coming out in September, so we're all looking forward to doing one but of course we can't decide which one it's going to be (laughs) but uh yeah I guess we'll figure it out soon
0: yeah it's going to be hard to it's going to be hard to um decide but the way you do break on through that might be an interesting um live cut
1: yeah that's a rocker for sure yeah
0: Yeah. and the way you do it I mean it just it will um I think it will gain interest and the audience will like it Steppenwolf, on the other hand, the pusher might be too obscure of a song for the
1: audience. It's it might be too laid back for a live audience, but right. you just never know. That's the thing. I mean, you plan advance in advance, like you said, and then you go out and do it live, and you never know what kind of reaction you're gonna get until you actually do it. So, you you just learn by doing. So you know you might do it and it might go over big. You never know. Or some songs that we've done live that we think they're gonna go over big. They they don't. They kinda sink, so Yeah. And you
0: don't know why, but it just happens that way. Now touring with Saxon must take uh Phil and Andy back to the, the good old days. Um that's gonna I, I'm I'm looking forward to that tour actually, cause I like Saxon because of the nostalgia reason. Um but you guys were uh UFO was kind of a different band, more hard rock than Saxon, I think. Um, I
1: think they have more of an um, ACDC kind of vibe sometimes. Right. I really enjoy what they do. but They're probably more straight ahead, I would say. They are. And, uh, we did a tour with them uh, back in March, I think it was, of America, and that went really well. We got along really well with them, and the fans seemed to really like it. It was a successful tour, so we're going back for part two here in September, October.
0: Oh, that's right. I forgot about the uh, March um, tour with them. I think you came through the East Coast here, didn't
1: you? Yeah, we started out on the. Where well, we started? In Houston. We hit the West Coast and we came all the way back. Yeah. ended up in Boston.
0: Now, you guys. You, why'd you call it the Salatino Cuts?
1: Yeah, that's a weird little story, but our home base in Germany is in Germany, in Hanover.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Our
1: home base in Europe. Our manager lives there in Hanover, and every time we start a tour in Europe. We go over there and rehearse because all our gear is in Hanover. And we end up staying at this hotel most of the time. And uh, right across the street is an Italian restaurant called, called Salentino's. <laughs> so we've been in that place so many times, drinking, having dinner, and talking about things. And uh, we were in there one night, like trying to come up with a name for the record, and nobody had any ideas that were any good. And I said, hey man, why don't we call it the Salentino Sessions? and everybody instantly said yeah that sounds pretty cool let's do that and it was we came up with nothing better so it kind of stayed with us and then at the very end phil maybe got a little too clever and changed it to salentino cuts right which personally i don't like as much i like salentino sessions better but oh well you know that's part of being in a band as everybody throws in their creativity and you get what you get but yeah that's the story italian restaurants
0: did it have that jukebox in there?
1: <laughs> no, it didn't. Definitely not.
0: Because <laughs> that could have been a connection where you pulled some of the song ideas from that jukebox. That's pretty funny. Um, yeah, I, no one would would guess that. You definitely have to explain it every time. Um, yeah,
1: maybe I should have kept it secret. It probably sounded like a lot better of a title <laughs> until I explained it. <laughs> yeah.
0: It sounds mob-like with the cuts. You're right. It should have been the Salatino Possessions.
1: Yeah, I hear you.
0: <laughs> so, are you still writing original stuff? How's how's that going? Are you guys still?
1: I'm, a, I'm like a pretty active writer because I'm always playing guitar, so I'm yeah. always recording ideas. In fact, I just wrote a bunch of new stuff for my next solo <laughs> record, and I'm all ready to start recording that as soon as I can get into the studio and get the drums done. Yeah, so I have a whole batch, new batch of songs that I'm going to be doing soon.
0: So you're very prolific. You're doing your solo stuff. You're doing UFO. You're doing, doing a lot of things. And you go on tour solo, right?
1: Yeah, I have a tour coming up in November, December, actually, uh, with Gus G. We're going out together and playing like nine or ten shows in the Northeast. So I'm really looking forward to that.
0: Gus G, the uh, Ozzy Osbourne guitarist, right? Or yep. once, Yeah, he's good.
1: Uh, he's awesome. He's an awesome player. I've known him for years now. I met him in Greece and came up on stage and jammed with me when I played in Thessaloniki, I think it was. Yeah. There's just an awesome vibe, you know. We got along really well and played together well and uh, thought, I'd like to do something someday with this guy. And Here we are. We have this tour planned.
0: Is it hard to switch gears from UFO to You know, do solo stuff, like you're on the road, or UFO, then you got to do your solo stuff, or it just comes natural now with you?
1: Well, it comes natural, but with my solo stuff, it usually involves putting together a new band, because I don't have a band together. Right. So it usually involves some rehearsals and deciding on what tunes I'm going to play. So it's a little trickier at the start. There's more preparation work. Whereas with UFO, we're together. We've played these songs so many times on stage. And usually we just get together and we can rehearse one day for a couple hours and we're all ready to go. Whereas my thing, because it's not as together, you know, it takes a little bit more preparation. But once it gets rolling, it's it's just as easy.
0: Do you ever dig deep with the uh, solo tour, like old Vicious Rumors stuff or anything like that?
1: never go that far back and do any of those songs Mm. that's way back (laughs) yeah that
0: would be interesting
1: (laughs) i do go back to my first record actually
0: yeah but there are the vicious rumors fans man (laughs) so
1: yeah i know there seems to be a lot of them in europe actually
0: yes europe is very true to uh metal history If you want to put it that way. yeah.
1: I mean, I wouldn't expect people to really remember or know about that record, but, you know, people show up with it all the time.
0: It's kind of, uh, it's strange in America. Things kind of, uh, I don't know, sometimes to genres people aren't as dedicated, but in Europe, they are truly dedicated. Uh, Yeah, it's
1: kind of depressing when they show up with that record. I see 19-year-old me on the back cover and I go, (laughs) what happened, man?
0: it's a, it's a good record
1: <laughs> no i mean i was just such a young kid then. yeah 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 so yeah. Years, it's like wow you realize how long you've been doing it. well
0: you were cooler than most 19 year olds so uh, <laughs> yeah. but anyway um what's next after okay you got you're gonna go on tour you're gonna do your solo stuff will there be a ufo original album next year
1: I hope so. I mean, I'm always writing, as I said, and, yeah. you know, it's part of what I do. It's like I need to to write, to express myself and create. It's, and, uh, yeah, so I definitely want to do another one. There's been no talk of it, but there has never really been talk of doing another UFO record. Since I've been in the band, we've never really talked about it. It just comes up and we do it.
0: Do, do you spark it by sending out some uh, music ideas, some tapes to...
1: Yeah, it usually starts with Paul and I writing ideas on our own at home and then we demo them out and send it all to Phil.
2: Yeah.
1: And he kind of sifts through it and decides, you know, what he thinks he can do something with and what would, you know, suit his voice. And you know, we usually end up with like at least 20 songs for a record and then we kind of narrow it down based on what he is really feeling.
0: Yeah, I forgot to mention Paul Raymond. He does a great job on the song we were talking about, Break On Through. Yeah,
1: the keyboards. I mean, it's like, what do you do with that keyboard solo? It's so ingrained in everybody's mind from hearing it a zillion times over the years. It's so classic and sacred in a way. It's like, what do you do? So I think he did a good job of kind of nodding his head by playing, you know.
0: He he (laughs) really did, which would make again, for a good choice for uh, picking for the live set. Um, And the
1: other thing is is not only the actual notes, but it's the sounds of those old parts. You get so accustomed to hearing the particular tones, like that organ, and, you know, when you first hear that being played and it's not that same exact sound, you go, hey, wait a minute. Right. It takes like a, a split second to kind of accept it, so to speak
0: now are there going to be any surprises on tour with uh ufo songs um of course you're going to do the classics but are you is there any surprise ufo song thrown in there i don't know you know
1: it's it's you never know what's going to happen with these guys and you know you just kind of show up and Maybe you come in with four songs that you think you're doing, and you don't end up doing them, but you end up doing another one that no one planned on. Yeah, it's total total chaos,
0: basically. Do do set do you do different set lists? I mean,
1: yeah, we're always tinkering with the set list. We've yeah. added a bunch of stuff over the years. We've taken away things and brought them back.
0: Yeah, I, I um, because I don't usually I usually go to like the BB King show that you guys you guys always seem to play there so i go Jo go check that out yeah the
1: two shows there's two shows there in march and you know it's like a catch-22 with this band because there's so many old classics that yes. people like and if you leave some of them out then somebody's going to complain but then if you do them somebody's going to say oh well they've been playing those songs for years why don't you do something new so we've kind of tried to you know do a balancing act of you know what ones are the classics do you do which ones do you leave out which ones from the Paul Chapman era do you do because people uh, there's a those good too
0: yeah couldn't get and it what, right so uh,
1: from the new stuff do you we do, right. so. if, if you want to do right
0: the Paul Chapman era is uh, overlooked yeah and uh, couldn't get it right is always a song that I think that uh, I always want to hear because has. Uh, i'll
1: mention that i'm not familiar with that particular song but i'll check it out
0: has a nice little um has a nice little guitar riff nice and sort of slow groove and then uh phil has some uh yeah it's it's a underrated song has a good lead and uh phil is is great in it so yeah i mentioned couldn't get it right it's off it's off of the uh wild willing and the innocent album
1: Okay, I'll check it out. I was going to make a joke and mention the other song, Couldn't Get It Right. Take Me Through the Night,
0: Take Me Through the Night. <laughs> I don't even remember who does that one. <laughs> well, thanks for taking the time, man. Thanks. All right, o- good talking to yeah, you. Yeah, thanks, thanks a lot. On. I hope to see you on tour with Saxon, because uh, either the Hartford show or the B.B. King show, I'm in the New York area. so.
1: Oh, cool, man. Hope to see
0: you. All right, thanks, Vinny.
1: Okay, thanks again.
0: Bye-bye. Thank you, Vinnie Moore. And pick up the Salentino Cuts album at your local record store. It's on Cleopatra Records. You can even go to Cleopatra Records' website, cleorex.com. That's Cleo, C-L-E-O, Rex, R-E-C-S, dot com. Next up, Star Sailor. They have a new studio album after eight years, hiatus. And it's called All This Life. Quite good. And Star Sailor's debut, I must say, was brilliant. It was called Love is Here in 2001. And after that, many know they worked with Phil Spector on their next album, their second album, Silence is Easy, in 2003. It's uh, pretty well documented on how that collaboration went. and had its ups and downs. And vocalist James Walsh will touch on that. But let's get the interview with James going now. Welcome, James. <laughs> anyway, how are you? Good?
3: Yeah, I'm very good. Thanks. Yeah. Thank well very you, good.
0: Just listened to some of the new album, like it. And uh thanks, I gotta sorry. say, James Walsh, one of my favorite singers from two thousand from the two thousands era. Um I'm holding yeah. I'm holding uh one of my favorite albums of that era is Love Is Here. Um Be perfect by you guys and uh, to me it was such a remarkable album um, I know you will probably want to talk about the new album we'll get to it but uh, what looking back on this now 2001 what What are your thoughts on, on this album
3: um, it was just a, an incredible time and uh, a bit of a, a Yeah, just a rapid kind of rise to success as well. It was, uh, yeah, kind of just very enjoyable a lot of the time, but also hard to get our head around. And for me personally, kind of going from someone who's sort of introverted and uh, kind of almost unnoticed in a room full of people to being... Uh, watched on stage, um, yeah. being on stage in front of all these people who were singing these words back. It was it's a, an amazing experience.
0: Well, there was such a, you know, I know this sounds like a weird statement, but there was such a beautiful melancholy to the album. And your voice reminded me of uh the buckleys which is which is a great compliment um absolutely in fact the song alcoholic still gives me chills when listening to it i was uh my parents abused alcohol and um that song was just so um poignant i believe in fact the whole album is is kind of has that mood which I just loved about it. <laughs> um, when I say beautiful melancholy, that's 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 a great compliment for me. I think it was very atmospheric, very moody, yeah. very emotional.
3: All all, all my uh, favorite music has that quality. I think uh, mm-hmm. um, it's that balance between uh, a, vulnerab- a confidence musically, but a vulnerability and lyrically and in the stories that, that people can relate to so I think if you're too bombastic in what you're communicating then people would be a bit like well that's got no relation to my life so I'm not really not sure how to connect with it and uh, a big album for me growing up was uh, urban hymns by the verse and mm. um, I think that has that that same sort of like, if you listen to the words, that, although the album as a whole is quite euphoric and mm. uplifting, the words are quite uh, quite deep and dark at times, and that was a, a big inspiration.
0: Well, I think that that with uh, Love Is Here, the subjects were dark, but there was a, a signal of hope.
3: Uh, yeah, yeah.
0: And at the time... Um I don't know if it was released pre-911 but at the time I was uh, living in New York City experienced 911 and this album gave me comfort. Um that
3: that it means a lot that uh, it's had that effect on yourself and obviously hearing different stories of people. Yeah. Connecting with the album and it, it helping them cuz for me like writing music and writing that album and writing all most of the albums has has helped me um through tough times so it's
0: right
3: it's good that 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 kind of carries on when people listen to it as well
0: well it was one of these those albums that helped me cope for sure and Correct. um i think at the time i was just hoping you guys would tour here and um <laughs> I didn't get, ever got a chance to see you yeah. and I hope I get to see you on this tour and I hope you do play some songs from this first album um,
3: oh, we, def- we definitely will there's songs like uh, Good Souls
0: yep and, that's a great uh, tune
3: Poor Misguided Fool Alcoholic that are like we'd be mm. in big trouble if we didn't play those songs <laughs> in the set so, uh, yeah <laughs>
0: no I hear you I think everyone uh, is expecting them at the time. Did you like being glumped into that Brit pop um, category? Um, I never understood it as an American like Brit pop. I just, <laughs> I, I just saw all those bands as as a lot of there were a lot of good bands coming out of the UK.
2: Yeah,
0: <laughs> and. Um. It was sort of strange to label
3: it. Yeah, I guess it was just a, a a media thing, really. To
0: yeah,
3: and and I suppose it helped a lot of bands as well, especially early on with Blur and Oasis and the kind of bands that that came around during that era. Yeah, and
2: um,
3: even some brilliant music like the Blue Tones and mm. Supergrass. Um, if you take them in isolation. Um, although they're, they're great bands and deserve that success, I think the Britpop, to having mm. them, bands like them that are a little bit more left field alongside Oasis and Blur Pulp is a classic
0: example. Oh, yeah. Like, yeah.
3: It, it opened the door to people listening to quality music, really. So it's, it's good.
0: Well, it's hard I to... You know, it was weird because, um, you know, everyone talks about the British invasion in the 60s and how easy it was for UK UK bands to make the transition here in America. But it's not always necessarily so now. Um, And it takes like these categories, Britpop or whatever, to make it so. Um, There are quite a few bands in the UK that just haven't made it here. And it's just a head scratcher. Um, so it's not easy, as you probably know, to cross that, uh, bridge to the American audience.
3: We've had sort of limited success in the U.S. I
0: wouldn't
3: say we've sort of made it by any stretch of the imagination, but just to be able to get over there and, and play places like Irving Plaza, where we played, Mm. um, some years ago, it's just a, a legendary venue. Um, and I love those like fifteen-hour drives across states. And stuff. <laughs> it's just uh, it, it's it's like another planet, but in a yeah. I mean that in a in a good in a good way. And every every time you cross a state line, you're in another planet. It's like yes, it's like uh, it's like Europe almost. There's different countries within America. It's, yeah, it, um, and it. Uh, inspiring and uh if some parts are maybe a bit negative like like anywhere in the world yes that's that's what kind of Mm -hmm. the whole is the what makes it so interesting
0: now the next the next album i was a bit let down and it was mostly because of (laughs) specter i gotta admit (laughs) (laughs) i just felt like um now i i love Spectre's work in the past i mean who doesn't, really? But I was yeah. I was disappointed in what he gave Star Sailor because you were better without him, in my opinion. Your music was atmospheric. He didn't need to bring his wall yeah. of sound to a band like yours. And I guess you guys found that out during production, right? I mean, you...
3: Um, yeah, I guess so. That that whole process was quite fraught and difficult at times because oh. um, he's quite an insular... Uh, paranoid guy <laughs> and we it, we were working with him in an era where the record label's very much involved in not so much in the process but in hearing demos and hearing works in progress and basically they've made a massive investment in a band mm-hmm. and this this obviously revered and legendary guy's come over but he's not he wouldn't let them hear anything right um so that, that created a huge amount of tension. It's like, well, we don't want to be seen to be uh, siding too much with the label because there's got to be an element of, like, stick it to the man kind of thing. Yeah. But but at the same time, we want them to have the confidence in us to go out and promote the record and get us out on the road. So it was, uh, it was a really difficult time. Um, and I think it, like you said, the the production works to a degree on "Silence Is Easy" because it's quite a simple song, and uh, "White Dove" is more of a ballad. Um, but tracks like Four to the Floor" and uh, um, I'm trying to think what else is on uh, "Bring My Love" and stuff yeah. like that. The the rhythm section wants to uh, let go on those types of songs. Yes. Um, and Phil Spector's whole thing is very regimented and basic yep. drumming
0: yep.
3: Um, so that that was a factor as well like the drummers getting fed like sulking in the corner because this guy's just asking him to go dun, 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 <laughs> <laughs> over and over and over again so yeah, <laughs> uh, it'd be interesting to know like what a solo album, just with myself, with Phil Spector recorded at the time. I'm <laughs> like, yes. Um,
0: well, that that was
3: it, his. It, it,
0: that was his thing, right? To take vocalists yeah. and and add the wall of sound. That's what I mean. It was like yeah. a. It was almost like too overdone because you the band was already atmospheric, and he's trying yeah. to yeah. add his touch. Um, how did you hook up with him? Did you? Was it the band or was it the record company?
3: And um, yeah, his daughter. His oh. daughter was actually a big fan. Oh. And uh, but obviously, I think she'd kind of tried to persuade to working, persuade him to work with lots of people, and yeah. we were the lucky slash unlucky ones. that he, <laughs> he chose to.
0: You work were like with. you were like the Ramones. <laughs> it was an experiment.
3: Yeah. <laughs> I think it, I find it hard talking about that. Yeah. because obviously because of what's
0: what has on since transpired and, uh, right
3: yes yeah, it's, it's it's hard to um obviously uh, uh, no one knows exactly yeah. what went on there
2: but yeah. and,
3: and one of one of those individuals is sadly no longer with us but yeah. uh, it's hard to talk about someone in too positive and glowing terms with something like that uh
0: yeah, I I, I like agree,
3: in the,
0: and yeah, uh, you know I'm it's sure hard, that,
3: it's hard hard to say. Yeah, Phil Strait is a great guy. When uh, yeah, you don't know what what he's capable of. Really. And I'm sure
0: the English press has asked you enough about it, so yeah. we'll move on. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but uh, I I just I was glad uh, the next album was heavier on the outside, and I thought maybe it was kind of an answer uh evolution a natural evolution um yeah yeah is that how you felt
3: yeah i think we on the outside was our live album like on the outside was was very much the album where we thought right the one thing that people keep saying is even with love is here people were like they'd go and see us live and be like we i didn't expect this this is so much more powerful than it is on the record yeah um, and obviously, I'm a huge fan of uh, Elliot Smith and right. Rob Rob Schnaf produced that and early sort of Foo Fighters and Beck stuff. Yep. We thought he'd be he'd be the guy to uh, to produce that album. And yeah, I think looking back, of the three records um, that we did back in the day, that's yeah. probably the the best produced. I think right. Yeah. Sonically it's it maybe not there's a few great songs on there, but it's maybe not the best collection of songs, but sonically I think Rob did a great job.
0: No, I think uh I like how you gave the hat tip by the way to Echo and the Bunny Man and Heaven Up Here and Silence is Easy. Um yeah. on the cover. <laughs> that was pretty cool. Um yeah, obviously a lot of fans yeah. noticed that um but what happened in 2009 when the band took a hiatus um and when did you um, know it was time to get back together
3: And um, well we i think for me the the processes in the all the plans album yeah um was quite emotionally draining yes um because it felt like almost like things were kind of deteriorating for us commercially and whatever. And it felt like I've got to put up, ab- if I put absolutely everything into this record and write the best songs I can possibly write and uh, just give it everything, then maybe this will uh, kind of get us back up there. Um, and although it, it, it had a decent reaction amongst the fan base; it didn't have the desired effect in terms of propelling us back to mm. where we got to with Love Is Here. Um, and there was a, but we managed. I managed to persuade Brandon from the Killers to sing on the track. Mm. Um, and there was some sort of legal issue with his management and label and whatever. Um, so that was a setback <laughs> huh. and uh yeah, it just felt like we 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 need to kind of take some time out from this and get out of that mindset of like writing a set of songs um that uh live or die on the on the um on the whim of a radio right. program director or a or what re- what week it comes out and
2: mm-hmm.
3: um and that that was that was our career as well that was our li- livelihood so
0: well now uh, times are a little different
3: <laughs> yeah it, it, it uh it literally was like like well we better cancel that holiday then because uh such a body's decided not to playlist it and i've managed to get out there and get involved in different kinds of music and yeah. working with other artists and playing live all the time solo or or with the band and so i'm, a, I'm in a much sort of better place to enjoy star sailor again and treat it as yeah. what it originally was which was just mates making music together and uh, as long as people are up for us going and playing then yeah the
0: new album does sound refreshed like sometimes you gotta take a break away to refresh your creativity
3: yeah Um, I think that's it's definitely had the desired effect
0: and you know the band probably just did you guys just get together again say let's it's time to do it again or it just happened organically Um, yeah
3: yeah I think there was a tour with James that came up yeah like which is a, a good
0: band. Which is a good band to tour with. That's that's a good band. Um, yeah. Matches you that,
3: guys. Yeah. Well, I guess we we had offers of sort of really random gigs where we just thought that there's no point in doing that. We need to wait until there's a mm. a good opportunity, and mm. and that just seemed like a great fit. And they were great venues and uh, decent fees. Although, <laughs> obviously, that that's not the. First thing on our mind that that just meant that it could be a comfortable tour, and uh, so we'd have the the space to kind of get to know each other again instead of doing the toilet circuit in the back of a transit. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So then it, we sort of we'd stayed friends, but we hit it off musically again, and it it all kind of snowballed from there.
0: Hmm. Now, there seems to be, uh, with the new album, seems to be um, more of an optimism in the in the music now. Am I wrong? It's like, yeah. I was going to say a bit U2-ish, which is a great thing. <laughs> but yeah. that's a compliment. Um, the title itself of the album seems very optimistic. All This Life uh, sort of yeah. sees the day thing, right? Am I wrong?
3: Yeah, yeah, I think that's... Uh... That's that's probably definitely an an element of that, Um, but I think it's it's actually it was actually written during a quite dark period for me. Oh boy! uh, um, But I think sometimes that can bring out optimism because you kind of you're digging your heels in and you you're almost telling yourself to Mm. keep going and keep uh, kind of you'll get. Get through this sort of thing it? and okay. it's related to that as well. So it's
0: good. Yeah. What is your, what is your, uh, what song are you most proud of on this new album? The way it turned um, out? Production wise? Great.
3: Um, I think uh, Blood. And why, is, yeah.
0: Why would you say that?
3: Yeah, uh, I think. lyrically and musically it's it's i've kind of hit the nail on the head as far as saying what i wanted to say in the way the way i wanted to say it um it's quite direct and uh yeah i just uh i I love how the the backing vocals come in or the Mm. the sort of stacked vocals um and i think it's like we've taken some little detours on this record with uh caught in the middle and take a little time and uh there's more traditional ones like all this life mm. and i think Blood's blood's a nice marriage of those two like it's it's sort of star sailor but but not as you know it kind of thing there's a big guitar solo at the end and uh, yeah i'm just really proud of that track
0: yeah you know, all this life uh the title track is probably my favorite um maybe it's because like you said it's a traditional sounding star sailor song um
3: yeah
0: it has all the right elements but all the songs seem to be pretty damn good on the album which is
3: excellent.
0: and i like the i like the uh cover too it's uh um it has it has americana feel it has an american feel and in this uh obsession with um UFOs or
3: <laughs> Yeah. It, it, it like actually
0: Someone saving us from from that. Yeah.
3: It actually <laughs> or reminded not. me of it reminded me of the David Lynch film The Straight Story.
0: Oh, okay. i have never seen that, no.
3: Um, there's a cover of that with where the uh, the title is written in the stars and Mm. there's a guy on a it's so like a a dark night and there's a but dark starry night and there's a guy on a sort of ride on lawnmower and it's kind of gave me that feeling which is one one of my favorite films so i've been quite into the cover
0: well the name star sailor itself is uh someone searching right discovery yeah
3: yeah, yeah. Still, still doing that definitely.
0: <laughs> Creatively, yeah, you gotta. It keeps you going. Do you still write on between uh, albums all the time, between tours, or do um, you just have to let it soothe down?
3: No, I think I think uh, like over the past few years, I've I've uh, been writing much more prolific, Yeah um like getting into the kind of songwriting game with doing tv and film and writing with other artists like there's always a, a project to work towards and uh i think i'm much happier kind of doing that and, and right. writing all the time and and treating
0: so having a synergy um, going
3: yeah so like the bands obviously massive for me and yeah. Um, it's another a particularly special one, but another project that I'm writing for. So um, yeah. it's like anything; it, it's uh, the more you practice, the the better you get at it. And uh, there's even songs where you think, "No, this isn't going anywhere," and I'm not. There's no point finishing this. I think it's always uh, worth persevering.
0: Well. Film getting into f- film score is definitely uh, lucrative, you know, and because um, right now a band, right now a band has to make the money from touring, and the albums. Yeah. <laughs> it's kind of yeah. the other way around, right? Um, than it was yeah. thirty years ago or even in two thousands when you guys were playing, right? Um, will this be released on vinyl too, or is it?
3: It just... it's out on vinyl. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Great.
0: Because we're all about uh, the vinyl. (laughs) We like the sound. Um, Last question. Will you be touring America soon?
3: I really hope so. I've got some great memories of touring in America. And, uh, yeah, we we haven't sort of heard of any confirmed dates or anything yet. But it's uh, it's, it's still, in spite of... uh, political turmoil it, it's still an inspiring place so uh yeah yeah i think we'd be we'd be happy to get over and uh and well,
0: you might be lucky you don't just, live here right now
3: <laughs> yeah, it's quite, it's just flattering to speak to people like yourself and yeah know that there's still an audience out there in, in america for the music
0: well it's going to spawn this interesting period america is going through is going to spawn some I feel, some great creativity, but uh, we'll see.
3: Yeah, Uh, I I think it's... uh,
0: um, It's very polarized now, which I don't like. I don't like a polarized America, and uh, that's the one thing I regret, and uh, I haven't felt it this polarized uh, in a a long time. Maybe it's just me, but um, it's it's not... (laughs) I don't consider it a happy place right now. (laughs) but still we we could use which is why we could use you (laughs) as a band coming over as an escape right um
3: i think that's that's an it that's an interesting point because it's like um
0: all we hear is 24 7 on the news it's constant you know stuff going on just put it that it, way it, and it'll be it, a nice it, escape to go it's a nice escape yeah. to go to a concert or a ball game <laughs> no, just...
3: yeah. but it's like it's like is it <laughs> is it an artist's uh role to use their platform to reflect the times, or like you say to allow people a night off politics yeah. it's it's di- it's difficult because you don't want to shy away from that yeah but at the same time maybe people want to go to a gig and and turn off from yeah whatever trump saying or uh, right. whatever's going on in the streets. so it's uh,
0: i guess it has to be a delicate balance but i like absolutely. how you guys are introspective and yeah. uh, where yeah. anyone can relate to it um you yeah. know it's I'd love go to a Roger Waters concert or a U2 concert, but there are yeah. times when you just want to listen to an introspective song and not yeah something that's political,
3: <laughs> you know? Yeah. Well, I, I, I went to see Jackson Brown recently, who's like the king of introspection. Yes. Um, and he made reference to what's going on in America, but in a slightly sort of humorous way. So... I think that's probably the the best way to
0: do it is to. Um, Let yeah, me take I'm, a guess. He's not a Trump fan.
3: <laughs> I don't think so. No. <laughs> I'll
0: just take a wild guess there.
3: Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah, well, listen, yeah. I really want to experience that. Um, I never got to experience in person that live Star Sailor. You know that heaviness that you're mm. talking about live. So. I want to experience that again. I hope over, you guys get over here. I, I don't. You're playing the. Uh, are you playing Europe? Are you? Are yeah, you
3: we've, out there? we've got a UK and Europe okay. tour coming up in October. So uh, yeah, hopefully in the new year because obviously an American tour will take a bit of planning.
0: Well, I'm so glad Star Sailors around uh, like it was before. I know you took a hiatus, but. Uh, you deserve to be around and your voice is okay, go it's good to hear your voice again your your singing voice very nice and i wish you all the best with the new album james
3: thanks a lot cheers
0: thank you man see you soon see you. bye
3: bye, now. bye.
0: Okay, that concludes our show, our episode for the first of October, the Goldmine Magazine podcast. Okay, thank you, Vinny Moore, James Walsh. That ends our show. Don't forget to pick up a, a gold Goldmine at a select Barnes and Noble store, Books a Million store, and indie record stores near you. Uh, you can also subscribe. Um, it'll be a lot easier, delivered right to your home. And you can do that by going to our website, goldminemag.com. Subscribe and you won't be sorry. Thank you, readers and listeners. It's been great. We'll see you next time.